Hey, this is Sarah Marie, and you're listening to the Soul of Worship, Are You Making a Sound podcast. Here, we study the Word of God in an effort to get to know Him more deeply so we can worship Him more authentically. In the Soul of Worship online Bible study community, we are currently deep diving into the book of Psalms and unlocking the power with prayer and praise. To make these studies more readily available, I will also be loading the audio from our weekly lunchtime live recaps to the Soul of Worship podcast. If you'd like to join our Monday night Zoom discussions or get the PDF downloads, you can register at www.soulofworship.com forward slash online Bible study, or you can create a login to the workshop, our online learning portal at soulofworship.com forward slash workshop. Thank you for being here, and I pray that God speaks to you throughout today's class. All right. God bless everyone. Sarah Marie here, Soul of Worship Ministry for our weekly online Bible study recap. We are in the Psalms. We are unlocking the power with prayer and praise. And so we are just going to get started in a minute or two. So if you are connecting with us right now, take the minute to share this with someone, share it on your feed, say hi in the chat. Let me know that you can hear me, see me okay. And then um, also, let me know where you're connecting from. Uh, God bless you, Mama. God bless you, Belang and Angie, who are joining in on Instagram. Um, God bless you, those who are tuning in on Facebook. Um, and so we are going to have some good conversation tonight. So, or today, <laughs> this afternoon, this lunchtime live. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pray and we are going to get started. God bless you, Gidge. Good to see you on here as well. So Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love and your mercy that's new every morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that you have given us once more to be able to connect, Father God, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to share in a word, God, to be able to share this meal of the bread of life, Lord, being able to uh, feast on your word, God, because we know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would feed our spirit today as we feast on uh, on the Psalms and in the truths that are released in this worship, um, these, these lyrics of worship, Father God. And so, Lord, we thank you. We give you glory and we pray that you would take complete control of this Bible study time or this live. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over this time period um, and that you would do what only you can do. Lord, we pray that every place that is hearing this word today would be filled with your holy presence, God, and that you would reveal to us and continue to increase our faith, God. Lord, um, increase our faith, help our unbelief, God, um, and allow us to continue to trust in you as we meditate on your word. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we pray all things. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you, Sister Rhonda. Uh, I see Angie. She probably hopped on over here onto Facebook, or maybe you're connected on both sides. Not sure. Um, but either way, God bless you. So uh, today we are in week nine of the Psalm study. I'm going to do a quick recap of where we left off last time, and then we're going to continue in Psalm 18. We started Psalm 18 last week, this great song of deliverance uh, written by our favorite sweet psalmist of Israel, uh, our King 
King David. And so this is going to be the great song of deliverance part two. Uh, and then after that, we'll talk about some key takeaways. How do we apply this to our lives? How do we allow this word to nourish us and, and increase our faith and help us to grow in our, in our walks with the Lord? Uh, then we'll talk about some next steps, announcements, resources that are available through the soul of worship ministry. And then at the end, we'll take some prayer requests. So if you are able to stick around and you definitely have a prayer request that you want to share, please feel free to uh, let us know in the chat. Also feel free to use the chat the entire time. I love engaging um, with you. And so uh, love to be able to see that as well coming through. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, Angie says she came over there. Instagram was lagging. All right. Sorry, Instagram, if it's not so well. But if you want to hop over on Facebook, you can see the whole presentation on Facebook, Solo Worship Ministry. God bless you, Laura. God bless you, Desiree. Amen. Um, all right. So let's get started. So what did we learn about last time? As I mentioned, we were in the first half of Psalm 18. We started diving deep into this, into David's great song of deliverance. Now, yes, David wrote many songs of deliverance. He saw God um, deliver him time and time again from his enemies. But this was one of those final songs that he wrote as looking back on his life on all the mighty things that God had done and finally putting him in the position of uh, being king over Israel. And so, oh, you know what? He should not. So we pray in the name of Jesus that Instagram stays connected. But if not, please hop on over to Facebook. Um, so again, this is we know that it was written um, towards the end of his life based on the fact that it was it's fully captured. Psalm 18 is fully captured uh, in Second Samuel chapter 22. And so it's really, really powerful. So when David, you know, when he looks back at all that God had done for him, David just releases this love song to the Lord. He starts out with, I just love you, Lord, and I will love you um, because of all the things that you've done. And as he starts talking about the Lord, he reveals the many ways that God moved heaven and earth on his behalf. And so we know that at the sound of our cries, at the sound of the cries of his children, God responds and he responds powerfully he comes down to us god delights in delivering his children from the plans of the enemy and the control of the enemy he wants us to live in his freedom he wants us to live um in 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 his love and in his great plan for humanity and so even when everything else may be shaky around us when we put our trust in the lord god is our immovable rock and he keeps us steady and he keeps us safe and he keeps us secure and so god dramatically and majestically and supernaturally proved himself time and time again and god is still in the business of showing up powerfully for those who worship him who know his name who know his worth and give him the glory that is due his name and so this is again a key of deliverance is that we know how to worship we know how to turn our attention attention to god and just love him because he's so so awesome all right so we're gonna pick up then in verse 20 today again of psalm 18 and this will be the second part of this study so i'm first going to read from verse 20 to 27 and then we're going to um, dive into some details here so david says verse 20 the lord rewarded me according to my righteousness 
According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. And with the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. So let's go ahead and break that down. So David is kind of saying in this section why God showed up every single time, right? So far in Psalm 18, we've heard David tell us how amazing God has been. And then David provided us the details of exactly how God delivered him over and over again, right? He sent hailstorms. He sent arrows from the heavens. He came down with, with um, fire coming out of his mouth and smoke out of his nostrils, right? This was just a scene of great powerful deliverance from God. But now we're going to go into the why. Why did God show up for me like this? What was the reason? And how can we align ourselves with these reasons so that we can see God show up powerfully in our lives like this as well? Now, we talked last week, and I mentioned in the recap, that verse 19 uh, already told us that he delivered me because he delighted in me. God delights in delivering his children. But why was God delighted? Why was God delighted by David? Because David was a man after his own heart. He's like, I'm not going to let my son just just go to the wayside. I'm going to show up for him because he has shown up for me. And because David was a man that kept the ways of the Lord. Now, we know that David wasn't perfect. When I first started reading this, I'm going, okay, like this is, you know, sometimes you could say, wow, can, can David really claim all of this? Could he really claim that, that he kept the ways of the Lord, that his hands were clean, right? Didn't David make mistakes? Didn't he commit adultery? Didn't he commit murder? You know, how could he look back at his life and say confidently to the Lord that he was rewarded because of his righteousness and cleanness of his hands, right? When you first read it, you, you might feel like there's a disconnect because as a human, we remember mistakes. As a human, we remember the whole story. And we go, well, actually, your hands weren't all that clean, brother, right? But should we be acting that way? And so as I continue to ponder on this, and as we talked about this on the Monday night discussion, we talked about the fact that the reason that David could say this is because God is merciful, right? When I read these verses over and over again, I, when I read it, I finally got it. And it really comes from verse 25. He said, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. So despite David's sins, despite David's failures, God had been merciful to him. So these verses, they're not a claim of, of, of a sinless perfection on David's part. No, we know very well that he, he didn't, um, that he made mistakes just like we all do. And he wrote plenty of times about it, right? In the future, we're going to be dissecting his great Psalm of, of repentance, Psalm 51, right? But, but despite all that he went through, David kept a core of integrity. Okay, he kept a core of integrity towards God and God and, and David remained 
correctable despite his feelings, right? David knew when he went wrong and he knew how to fix it. And he knew that he had to come and be repentive toward God. So when we think, we know that this psalm is, is, is talking about many deliverances, also deliverance from the hand of Saul. And so in the case of Saul's persecution against David, David was challenged many times to respond in unrighteous ways towards Saul. He had many opportunities to strike out against Saul, even as a matter of self-defense. But David consistently conducted himself in righteousness when it came to his persecution from Saul. And he knew that David David, and he knew that God rewarded him because of it. And so we know that since he was merciful towards Saul, he had every right to kill Saul, but he didn't do it because he didn't want to be the one to hurt the anointed of God, right? He didn't want to hurt his own brother. He didn't want to be, um, to, to take the throne in his own hands. He wanted it to be God who did it. So David, and then in the case of his most famous failure, right? When we talk about Bathsheba and Uriah, David knew that when he sinned, that he sinned before God and that broke his heart to have failed God in that way. We talked about it before, right? The difference between Saul and David is that when Saul began to sin, when when um, he no longer was listening to the Holy Spirit, he then had a hard heart towards God. He became proud and didn't receive correction. But David, when David sinned, when David went and, and listened to voices that he shouldn't listen to and then made these mistakes. But once he realized that these mistakes that he made, he came in repentance that broke his heart before God and he wanted to change, right? David accepted the Lord's judgments. He accepted correction, right? Just like I said in, in verse 22, for all his judgments were before me and I did not put away his statutes from me. So when David was corrected, he paid a price for his sins. He lost a child, right? There was definitely repercussions from his, um, there were consequences for his actions, but he accepted those consequences. He knew that it was, you know, I'm going to accept this correction. I'm not going to run away from God. Instead, he stayed and he allowed himself to receive the mercy of God. We also know that he didn't become a repeat offender, right? We don't have so many stories that he continued to be an adulterer or continued to kill or continued, you know, at the end of his life. No, he looked, he could look back and say, God have been merciful for me because I never turned away from God, even in my sin, right? Verse 23, he goes, I kept myself from my iniquity, meaning he knew he had iniquity in him, but he always asked God to reveal it, to show it so that he could change and he could keep himself from it, right? Sometimes we have a tendency. Some of us have tendencies that we're inclined to sin in certain ways. There's some things that we struggle with. There's some areas that we are just inclined, right? Because it's almost like this is my, my, um, the thing in my side, like the thorn in my side or the thing that you sh you personally struggle with that someone else might not struggle with, but you do, right? And so in that case, you got to say, I'm going to keep myself from that. I know that this is an iniquity that I tend to fall into, that this is a sin that I tend to be tempted with, but I'm going to keep myself from that. I am going to reject that. I'm going to ask God to reveal it to me and show me how to overcome it. And I'm going to continue to submit it to the Lord. Because if I submit it to the Lord, I'll be able to overcome it. And then I'll be recompensed for sticking to the ways of the Lord. And so because of David's truly authentic repentance, God forgave David. And if God forgave David, then David could forgive himself. 
If God remembers our sins no more, then David too could speak from this place of righteousness at the end of his life. He didn't have to bring it up again. He didn't have to say at the end of my life, you know, I, you know, I, I was good up until this point and I lost it a little bit, but I got, came back. Right? No, he could look back and say, I have clean hands because the Lord was merciful to me. And this is great news for us. This is actually the gospel, right? When we are forgiven, when we're washed by the blood of Jesus, we become a new creation that can stand and declare that we are now the righteousness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so, you know, Monday night in our Zoom discussion, we we really went deep on this and it touched a lot of people's lives because they sometimes we struggle with forgiving ourselves. We we know or we believe that God has forgiven us, but we still think, man, I, I really messed up in that area. What could I have done differently? Or I, I you still just sit in that grief of it or you sit in the the guilt of it. And God is saying, no, you, this is an example where we can look back and say, I've been forgiven. I don't have to feel guilty for that anymore because I went to the Lord in repentance. I believe the the blood of Jesus has washed me of all of my sins. And I know that the blood of Jesus has been sufficient to cover anything that I have done. And because I've made a decision to, to go and sin no more, I have the grace of God in my life. I have the mercy of God in my life. And I can walk truly as a new creation, no longer worrying about my past because God forgot it. So if God forgot my past, why why am I going to bring it up? Why should we bring it up if God has already done it, right? And now there's a difference between sharing your testimony, right? There's a difference between speaking about it from a position of victory, right? We God wants us to share our testimony, especially when you can bring someone else out of a dark pit. You can say, I've been there. I know what that feels like, but this is how God saved me, cleaned me, transformed me, and made me into a new creation, and he can do that for you. There's a difference between, again, speaking about your past from a place of victory than than allowing the enemy to burden us with guilt, to burden us with accusation about something we did in the past, right? There's a difference there. God wants us to talk about our past from a place of victory, but to give him glory and to give him honor and to save other people. But God doesn't want us to dwell in things that we have done that he's already forgiven us for. It's the devil that accuses. We don't want to live there. We don't want to live there. Amen? Amen. All right. God bless you, Raz. So glad that you're joining us. I see a couple things in the chat here. Let's see. For some reason, I can't register. Yes, yes. You can join us every Wednesday here for the recap um, Monday nights. And I'll have uh, the link here. Um, it's pinned on Facebook. If you want to register, at least get the emails. But either way, you can join us here on, on Wednesdays. Amen. All right. <laughs> and then on Instagram, my <laughs> that's sweet. My mother-in-law says, that's my Sarah, says the little lady. So my niece is, <laughs> is watching this lunchtime live and she says, that's my Sarah. How sweet is that? Little two-year-old getting some word in. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's continue. So I wanted to share with you again along that same topic. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So 
because of Jesus' sacrifice, because Jesus died on the cross for you and me, and because, and when we make that decision to accept that, right? That we, we accept him as our savior. We accept him as our Lord. We accept the fact and believe that he died and that he rose again. We believe, we confess it with our mouths and we believe it in our heart. We shall be saved and we become the righteousness of God. That is so much power in there. Now it's not to boast that I am the righteousness of God, but it's to know who you are. It's to have confidence that you can come boldly to God, that you can stand here and say, because of what God has done for me. I am now the righteousness of God. And to know that God's not disappointed in you when you come to him. In fact, he's happy. He's thrilled. He's delighted that you've come to him. And when he looks at you, he sees his son. Amen. Glory to God. So with the merciful. So again, David was not being arrogant in these verses. Actually, it was quite the opposite. Because David had operated in innocence and integrity when he was in the long season of affliction under the hand of Saul, God showed him that same mercy back when he needed it, right? David understood a basic principle of God's dealing with humanity, that God often treats a person in the same way that that person treats others. I'm going to read 25 again. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. So this is that, that you know, timeless thing that we say, treat others the way you want to be treated, right? If you are merciful to others, you're going to receive the mercy of God. If you forgive others, God can forgive you. But if you, you can block those blessings of God in your life, if you yourself are not behaving in mercy, if you don't show mercy to others, you won't gain mercy from God. If you don't forgive others, you won't be able to receive forgiveness from God. Jesus said this. This is in the gospels. This is not just something that I'm making up. This is not just something that David is saying. This is something that Jesus himself said. You must forgive others in order for you to receive the forgiveness of God. Forgiveness is such a key. And we don't want to let unforgiveness take root in our lives because unforgiveness can rob us of so many blessings. It, it just, unforgiveness, deep root in our hearts can be a, a stronghold of the enemy that can block so much from you. And so what we want to do is get rid of that, uproot that unforgiveness, forgiveness, Forgive those who you need to forgive and then let the past be the past. In the same way that we just said it, that God forgives us of our, of our sins, that we have to look at others who have hurt us and betrayed us and, and everything in between. And we can forgive them truly to set ourselves free from that unforgiveness. And Jesus also reinforced these moral guidelines in the Sermon on the Mount. Right, Matthew 5, 7 to 8 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. These, this is, these are kingdom keys. These are kingdom keys to unlock God's mercy, to be able to see God, that we have to live lives that we show mercy so we can get mercy. We, we, are, we keep ourselves pure. We keep ourselves to a higher standard. And just like David said in 27, for you will save the humble people. 
God never turns away a heart that humbles itself before him. Benjamin Franklin once wrote, many princes sin with David, but few repent with him. Many princes sin with David, but few repent with him. Many people fall into sin, right? We're all sinful. But when we come to repentance, we're no longer sinners, right? We're now new creations. Yes, do we make mistakes? Of course. But the importance is that we come in repentance. We humble ourselves before the Lord. God loves to give grace to the humble. But in the same way, he resists the proud. If you're too proud to admit you you need Jesus, then he can't help you, right? God doesn't force himself on us. He wants an open door. And so if we resist him, we put up walls, then God is going to say, okay, until you humble yourself and admit that you need my help, then I can come in and I can deal with all of this, right? I can clean this all up. And now, um... God giving grace to the humble, it's it's written many places in scripture, Psalm 138.6, James 4.6, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Those are all quoting the same thing that God loves to give grace to the humble. So it's written when things are written. I've said this before many times in scripture, we have to pay attention. This is a key for us to live in humility before the Lord. Now, we will never be perfect until that day that we're with the Lord, right? But we can strive for excellence. We can choose to walk in the path of righteousness. We can choose to live lives of integrity. We can choose to keep the ways of the Lord. Even when we have a tendency to sin in a certain area, we can say like David, he said, I've kept myself from my iniquity. I I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to keep myself from the things that I have a tendency to do because I want to have the blessings of God in my life. And so we can choose to remain humble. We can choose to remain correctable. We can choose to repent when we fail. And when that happens, when we choose this path, right? It's a narrow path, but when we choose this path, we can be restored. We can be wiped clean from all of our iniquity and and gain a brand new slate to write the story of our lives. Amen. All right. Amen. Yes, true. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's keep going. I'm going to pick up in verse 28 of Psalm 18. He says, and this is so powerful, for you will light my lamp. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. For by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is perfect proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength, with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Let's pause there for a minute. So now 
we see that David is now turning his attention to a future state. He's talking about God's present power. He's talking about God's future power for David. Verse 28, he starts saying, for you will, you will light my lamp. You're the one who's going to brighten up my day. You're the one who's going to give me the oil to put it into my lamp so that I can see so that there shall be no darkness around me. But instead, because you're, you light my lamp, you set me ablaze, you set me on fire. I know that I can do any of these things and so David now moves from his joyful things for the past to confidence in the future and he again gives God glory for everything he goes because it's God it's God who's helped me it's God who has enlightened my my darkness it's because of him David had great confidence that the same God who brought him to the throne would give him the light that he needed to rule, right? And that he would enlighten the darkness that still would try to encamp around him. And David had great confidence that with God empowering him, he felt strong enough to accomplish what many of us would say are superhuman feats, right? Jump over a wall? No problem. God can help me do it. Bend a bow of bronze, done. He's taught me how to make, he's trained my hands for war. Run against the troop all by myself? Yup, I can do it because God is with me and strengthening me. Easily climb up these rocky mountains like a deer? Just do, 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 do. Easy peasy. I can do it because God has helped me and his word is perfect and he's done it for me before and he will continue to do it in the name of Jesus. And why did he have that confidence? He goes, because Lord, you've proven it time and time again, because the word of the Lord is proven because God is a shield to those who trust in him. And he goes, I'm going to continue trusting because my trust in you has proven to be a really good strategy, right? It has proven to be the best thing that I can do in my life because there is only one true God. There is only one rock and it's my God because who, who is the Lord except our God, right? My goodness, it's just so, so powerful. For who is God except the Lord? Who is God except Yahweh? Nobody. So it doesn't matter if the Moabites are coming after me or the Amorites or the Amalekites or any ites that wants to try to come against me. I don't care who they serve because their God doesn't have ears to hear them because their God doesn't breathe like mine does. My Their God doesn't speak like mine speaks. And when mine speaks, his word comes to pass. The word of the Lord is proven. It's been tested in fire and it has remained solid. And so David feared nothing with the God of Israel as his defender. He feared nothing because the God of Israel, Yahweh God, was his deliverer. And so no matter what happened to David, he continued to trust. And that trust allowed him to see God prove his word. Prove his word. One commentary said, this is David Gusick, he said, many do not know this from their own experience because they will never allow themselves to be put in a situation where God must prove his word true. David knew the truth of this from the extreme circumstances of his life. David knew the truth of 
God because of the extreme circumstances of his life. Isn't that powerful? So many of us give up before God can prove himself. But he was like, wait, I was about to do a mighty thing. I was about to work this all out for good. And you just gave up on me. You didn't allow me to prove my word true. And so you never see the glory of God in your life. Because when once the first bad thing comes about, you're just running away. Instead of turning to the Lord to be your strength, turning to the Lord to be your rock, your refuge, your shield. And so how much more would we experience? How much more if we just continue to stick it out? Well, we just continue to trust that God is going to prove himself. I may not see your word right now, but I'm going to stay here because I know that if I stay trusting in you, you will prove yourself true. And even though this circumstance might be extreme, you're going to show your extreme power if I stay here, God. If I continue to trust I have to, we, we have to continue to trust because then we will see that the Lord is proven that even with whatever may be coming against you, that you can say, despite walking through the valley of the shadow of death, despite everyone be feeling like I'm in the pangs of Sheol, right? Like this is what David said. Hey, I thought I was going to die, but then God showed up. I thought that I was, I was entangled by my enemies. I, I, there were so many against me, but then God showed up, right? And there was so much, I was persecuted. I was hiding out, but then God showed up. I was hiding in a rock, but it was God there protecting me. So no matter what we're going through, these extreme scenarios, let's expect God to show up in extreme to save us. Amen. Mama pops in the chat on Instagram says, as do I, God is my deliverer, my provider, my redeemer, my rock. Yes. And we can see him being that when we continue to trust in him. Now I want to sit in verse 35 for a minute. I'm going to read it again. Verse 35 says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Your gentleness. So powerful. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. See, when, especially in those times, and this is no offense to anyone who is left-handed, but in those times, it was believed that if you needed to, to do something with strength, or if you needed to do something skillful, that you had to use your right hand. That the right hand was the hand of strength, and the right hand was the, the hand of skill. Your left hand was more of a support, right? But it was, if you needed to do something right, you had to do it with your right hand. And so David was saying here that he was held by the strength and the skill of God's right hand, that God gave him his best hand, that God gave him that. But at the same time, that it was God's gentleness that made him great. I really had to sit in that because, you know, most of this psalm, especially the verses that we covered last week, you know, we see God's power. We see his fierce anger. We see his strength against the enemies of David. But God's attitude toward David was gentle. How powerful is that? David's saying, your gentleness is what has made me great. You graciously responding to my worship and prayer. Your grace, your mercy, your gentleness towards me is what has made me great in battle. How powerful is that? 
Yes, Gidget. I know you're a powerful lefty. Amen. The Lord has redeemed both hands. <laughs> Amen. So imagine the way that David is describing this, that while God deals with our enemies with one hand, the other is caressing us with his love and gentleness. I mean, what an image. What an image. You know, I shared on, on Monday because in that moment, I, I just, I thought of, of God, right? When he comes to deliver us and when he comes to save us, it's kind of like as a parent, you know, when you might see your child suddenly in a dangerous scenario where you need to quickly run and sweep them up, right? And so with one hand, you are coming in and sweeping them up and you are caressing them and loving them and making them feel comfort, making them feel safe, while on the other hand, you may be eliminating a threat. You may be pushing back a dog that is coming against them viciously. You may be pushing back, you know, or taking them out of a car's way. You're with one hand offending them, but the other hand, you're making them feel at peace. And so imagine that that is how God shows up when we need deliverance, when he was coming to rescue us, that with one hand, with his right hand, he is pushing back the enemy. He is a eliminating the threat in your life but in the other hands he is soothing you he is giving you love he's giving you peace he is giving you comfort that's the gentleness of God that's revealed in these moments oh isn't that beautiful I think it's so beautiful it's a new image of God that I have it had truly came alive with this one verse and that's why it's so good so good for us to study his word and to and to look at these details and to say your gentleness you know i praise god for his power i praise god for his strength i say god i thank you for for loving me i thank you for your mercy but i can't say that up until i studied this verse that i've never said lord thank you for your gentleness Right? But this is a new aspect of God that we can now see and understand and go, God, man, thank you. Thank you for being gentle with me. Thank you for guiding me and keeping me safe even while you are doing, you're on the defense, right? You're on the offense. You're doing everything necessary to protect me and gently hold me in your presence. So good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's keep going. Verse 36. He said, you enlarged my path under me. So my feet did not slip. Again, giving God all glory. Giving God all glory. Let's pause there for a second. That God, and we said this a couple of times on Monday night too. When you see God in everything, or, or you know, when you... you David saw God in everything. And so he could give God glory for everything, right? When he came across a large path, he's like, thank you, Jesus. That was you, right? He wasn't saying Jesus, but thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, because you, you provided this path for me. There's so many little miracles in our day that we don't sit and thank God for when in reality, they are the mercies of God in our life. And so David could even see when he had a nice, clear path that it was God allowing him to find that nice, clear, big path that he can walk on. Right. So good. I could sit on that for a little bit more, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> he said, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. 
I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. So let's take that. What is this section kind of telling us? This is how God empowered David to then fight, right? David still had to take action. David still had to go out there, but he knew that it was God giving him the strength and God giving him the strategy for how to fight and overcome. So David fought as a true warrior. He fought and he sought to utterly defeat the enemies of Israel. He wanted complete victory. He said, I didn't turn back until they were completely annihilated, right? He properly believed that God gave him the victory over these enemies and David would not stop fighting until the enemy was completely defeated in his life. David didn't just didn't want to just win a battle. He wanted to win the war. He wanted to make sure that no one else came against Israel any longer. He wanted to make sure that they didn't try to come back another day. He wanted to make sure that he completely eliminated the enemy in their territory. And because he knew that God had trained his hands for war, right? Verse 34, he was completely confident that God would allow him to complete the mission. And so we need to identify the areas in our life that we are struggling with, things that are holding us back from fully living the lives that God wants us to live. And not only do we need to overcome them day by day, but we need to ask God, Lord, what's the strategy so that I cannot just win this battle today, but that I can win this war, that I no longer have to suffer from this condition, that I no longer have to deal with this. How do I completely cut the head off of my enemy, right? David, when he went and, and you know, he, he went against Goliath, he struck him with the stone. He, the Goliath fell down. He could have ended there and been like, whoa, I struck down Goliath, but no, he went and then walked up. And then he took Goliath's sword and cut Goliath's head off. He didn't want to, he didn't want to see Goliath come back up again tomorrow after he had a rest. He didn't want to just wound him. He wanted to completely eliminate the threat to the Israelites. And so that is how we have to, have to be. We got to ask God, how do I completely become an overcomer in this area? How do I completely overcome my tendency to want to drink? How do I completely overcome my tendency to be fearful? How do I completely overcome my tendency to fall into this sin or that sin? Or how do I, how do I draw closer to you? How do I completely eliminate this temptation, right? We want to win the war and we need to eliminate eliminate the devil in our lives. And we have to come to the Lord and ask him, God, train my hands for this war. Train my hands for the war so that I can win, so that I can subdue them completely. I mean, look at these words again. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. 
I, the Lord has armed me with strength so that I can subdue them completely. He's given me their necks. I've pounded them like dust before the wind and I cast them out. We need to cast out the enemy from our lives and no longer let him back in. We can't fall back into captivity. We cannot become entangled again with sin. We need to ask God to show us the strategy to completely overcome any type of stronghold or foothold of the enemy in our lives. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You got to almost get fed up right, with the enemy and just say no more. Devil, you don't have my family. You don't have my children. You don't have my marriage. No, we're going to overcome this and we're going to overcome this now in the name of Jesus. And we are going to walk in that freedom and in that victory that Jesus already paid the price for. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 43. He says, you have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the, Lord, let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people's and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. So now he's saying, God, now that you have eliminated all of my enemies, you've established your promise. You've established my throne. Again, because David waited on the Lord's deliverance to place David as king in God's timing. And he didn't take matters into his own hands. David could rejoice in the fact that God indeed put him there and made all of this happen. It is you, God. You've allowed the foreigners you know, to, to, to come and obey me. You've allowed me to have this power. David also knew that God raised him up not only as the king of Israel, but as a regional power with authority over those neighboring nations. And, you know, something that I had mentioned this on Monday night as well, that was interesting in some of the commentaries that I read is that particularly in the verse where it says, um, you have made me the head of the nations and a people I have not known shall serve me. There is some thought here, some scholars that believe that this promise not only fulfilled in this moment, but will have an even greater fulfillment in the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ, right? We're talking revelation stuff, right? post brand new world that God is going to create. And not only based on this verse, but also based on some passages um, in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, that David will be the king over the millennial Israel, which will be exalted above the other nations of the earth. I thought that was super interesting, you know, and I'm going to dig deeper on that. Uh, maybe that's something that we can, you know, talk about just some more when we talk about just the prophecies that are in the Psalms, because there are many, again, that point to Jesus, um, messianic Psalms. Um, and so is this... You know, we know that David is a type of Jesus in terms of it, the parallels. Um, and so we know that Jesus will certainly reign as Messiah over the new kingdom. Uh, but he also says that we're going to reign, right? We're going to reign with him. So if we're going to reign with him, 
I would assume David probably is going to reign too, right? He's probably got a seat somewhere um, because he is special to the Lord. And so any case, thought it was interesting. Just wanted to throw it out there. Definitely more research needed. And of course, anything in future tense is can be just speculation, right? Um, what we do know is just what is written in, in the word. So uh, just something to throw out there. But either way, I love how in 46, verse 46, he said, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Here we just have pure worship. All of this made David love and honor the Lord more than ever. He gave praise to God for the great things that he had done. And so we saw how David started this psalm with the Lord is my rock. And now he ends it with a blessed be my rock, right? Let's come and worship God. He is alive and he is my rock. Not only is he my rock, but he's worthy of praise, right? Let us worship him. Blessed be my rock because the Lord is alive and he has done so much for me. And so he is worthy to be exalted. Not only did God deliver me from all of my enemies, but also from the violent man. Who's the violent man he's talking about? Saul, right? And now that's something to praise God for. And we talked last week about how David did not, again, just in honor, did not consider Saul his enemy. So even in this verse, we see it again because he said, he's delivered me against my enemies and also delivered me from the violent man. And so he still honored the fact that this was a brethren, that this was still a man of God who had been led astray, but was still a man of God. And so he didn't consider him an enemy. And so, again, we talked about that last week and just how powerful that is in and of itself. When someone rises against you, know that it's the enemy working in them, but that person in and of themselves is not your enemy and you're still to honor them and 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 honor them in all things and just continue to ask God how to overcome that situation that you're going through. Amen. All right. Couple last two verses in the Psalm verse 49 says, therefore I will give thanks to you. O Lord among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance. He gives to his King and shows mercy to his anointed to David and his descendants forevermore. That's how he ends this great psalm of deliverance. So this closing is prophetic, right? On one level, this was David praising God for his deliverance and the safety among the neighboring kingdoms, right? Which would have been Gentile. But also on another deeper level, Paul quotes this verse, verse 49 in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 12, as the first of four Old Testament prophecies demonstrating that the work of Jesus Christ was not only for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles also. And so therefore, David was able to see and understand that through his lineage, that there would come a time that Jews and Gentile would be worshiping God together, singing praises to his name in unity. Again, he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And then, of course, this final verse with words like his king and his anointed can certainly point to the Messiah, right? The anointed one. And so this closing, it kind of makes you want to go back through the whole psalm and see what else could have been pointing to Jesus here. Because there really are a few things. I almost went down this and but I thought it might be too long for us to take a look at. 
because we are going to spend probably a week or two just on messianic psalms, psalms that that Jesus um, used to point to what's going on, things that again just gave were were foreshadowing of what Jesus would do, and so. When you look back at 18, though, it kind of makes sense, right? You don't think that David or that um, Jesus, when he was, you know, when he died on the cross, he had the pangs of death around him and he was in the sorrows of Sheol and surrounded and, oh, it was God who pulled him out, right? Yes, of course, there's certainly God who, who made the earth shake so that he could deliver Jesus from death. Uh, yeah, there was an earthquake when Jesus rose from the dead, right? So certainly we can see that there are details in here, things that, that Jesus himself, um, could have experienced and, you know, just again, the parallels between David and Jesus. Um, but either way, this last verse is certainly, certainly prophetic because even the apostle Paul said it in Romans chapter 15. So with that being said, I know that was a lot <laughs> and I went through it a little bit fast. But there was so much in these 50 verses of Psalm 18. Yes, Ephesians 6, 12, going back to we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and the powers um, of this world. And so we, we got to know that. And that way we also fight spiritually and not with our hands <laughs> or with our roots. All right. So what are you taking away from today? All right. Let me know in the chat. If you have a minute and you can type it out, let me know what you're taking away from today. What was it that God spoke to you, reminded you of, convicted you of, um, or just kind of encouraged you, encouraged you with today? Um, let us know in the chat. I'll wait a minute and then uh, otherwise I'll give you a few takeaways that I hope that you're taking away today. And if you have um, a journal or the journal entries that we, um, or the template that I provide in the emails, make sure you're using it. We, all, we also talked a lot on Monday night of the power of journaling, right? Of, of writing down your prayer requests and then going back and seeing, wow, this is how God showed up there. This is actually, um, you know, God, God delivered me from that. This is an answered prayer. Now going back and seeing what God had done. Cause this is exactly what David did, right? You, we could look at the Psalms as like a journal, right? He's going back and thinking like I had a prayer request and this is how God showed up. And so we can do that too. When we journal and we go back, not only journal, but then go back and say, wow, five years ago, I prayed for a family and now I have that now I have this and, and that and I prayed for this and I forgot that I prayed for this and look at I have it now and then let that bring you to a place of worship which is what David did every time he looked back and said this is how God showed up then he could release and say the Lord lives blessed be my rock amen yes Raz says, trusting God in the storm. Yes, let's continue to trust. Belang on Instagram says, God's gentle character. Yes, isn't that so good? Oh, I love it. Mm. I love that so much. Amen. All right. So remember, God is merciful. True repentance before him truly gives us a clean slate. Live in that, right? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God that you've been forgiven and live in that forgiveness. Yes, Gidget says, remembering to forgive ourselves because God forgives and forgets our sins of the past and always. Such a critical one for us to remember and live in that state of forgiveness. 
Also, ask God to train your hands to battle the enemy in your life. Ask God for the strategies. Ask God for the tactics. And then don't relent until the enemy is completely defeated in your life. Yes, are we going to fight till the end and until our last breath? Yeah. But there's things that we struggle, you know, some of us struggle with for years that we don't have to be struggling with for years. We could have overcome that. We don't have to have all the same struggles our entire life. God is looking for us to conquer some mountains, right? And for us to see his hand, see his deliverance, and then continue to to do more for him, right? David said, I can go against Goliath because God allowed me to kill a bear and a lion. And the same God who helped me to kill that bear and kill that lion can help me to kill this Goliath. So if you want to get to another level in your life, you got to learn how to defeat the lion. Then you got to learn how to defeat the bear. Then you can go and slay some giants, right? And then once you know how to slay a giant, you can then slay an entire army. And once you slay an entire army, then you could be at a point where no one even dares to come into your camp because they know the kind of warrior you are. Amen. Yes. Spiritual warfare. Fight in the spirit, not in the flesh. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Then, as Sister Billing mentioned, the gentleness, the gentleness of God, right? Let the gentleness of God make you great, right? Let his gentle character mold you into who he has called you to be. Allow him to come for you. Allow him to love on you. Allow him to, um, you know, just sit in his goodness, sit in his gentleness. Like, that's just... It's mind boggling to me and it really does take me to a deeper level of worship. And then remember that the word of the Lord is proven. The word of the Lord is proven. Don't run away from the adversity. Trust God to prove his word to you. Don't run away when things start getting tough. Let God prove his, stand on his word. Stand on his word, stand on every promise he has given you and know that he is gonna prove himself true because he has to, he can't stop being who he is. And then let it all turn into worship, right? Thank him for it all. So that even generations to come will worship because of what God has done for you. Because when you can sit there and declare like like David did, hey, God is my rock. God has been my strong tower. He has been my deliverer. He's the one who trained me. He's the one who strengthened me. He's the one who allowed me to kill my enemies. He is the one. When you allow that all, all of the things in your life, when you see it all by the hands of God, And turn that all into worship, exalting the name of the Lord. My God, so many more will also worship because of what you've experienced and what you release. Amen. All right, let's pray. One o'clock on the dot. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these these reminders. I thank you, Lord, for these refreshers in your word. Lord, we we are encouraged by by your word. We are encouraged by your truth. Lord, we thank you that your word is proven. We thank you that we can continue to trust in you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your gentleness, God. We thank you for your protection, for your love, for your mercy, God. Lord, we thank you because your gentleness makes us great. Lord, because your gentleness molds us into the type of people you want us to be God Lord we thank you for training our hands for war you don't want us to be live defeated you want us to go out there and slay some giants God you want us to go out there and defend your people you want us to go out there God and in your name and empowered by you filled with your Holy Spirit filled and empowered by your Holy Spirit go out there and stand for truth and stand for everything that the gospel represents Lord we thank you for forgiveness we thank you Lord that we have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Lord, and there's anyone here right now today listening to this call and they have not 
Lord, they have not truly surrendered to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction to their hearts, that they would say yes to you, that they would believe in their heart, Lord, that you died on the cross for their sins, that your blood cleanses them and forgives them completely, Lord, and that they also believe in their heart that you rose from the dead, that you give us access to eternal life when we trust in you. And so, Lord, we pray that they would confess with their mouths and believe in their heart that all of this is true and that you would save them right now in this moment and write their name in the book of life so that we can all, Lord, gain access to the kingdom of God. Lord, we want to have eternity with you. We don't want to go into a place of condemnation. We don't want to be sent to hell. We want to to be in presence with you, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would save everyone who is listening right now. And if they're, even if they, they accepted you before, but they're maybe walking a little shaky or they're turning back or not sure if they should truly walk in your ways. God, I pray again, Holy Spirit, that you would bring the conviction that this is where you want them to be, Lord, that this is that the that the narrow path is where you're calling them to rise up to a higher standard, Lord, for them to choose a life of integrity, to choose a life of righteousness, to put away and, and to separate themselves from iniquity, but to but to focus on you and to seek you and trust in you with all of their hearts, God. Lord, let them love you with all of their heart, with all their strength, with all their mind, and with all their soul. In Jesus' name, I pray all things. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, a couple of announcements, and then we'll take a couple of minutes to, to prayer requests. So if you're already, if you do have a prayer request, please put it in the chat now. So by the time I get to there, they're already lined up. Amen. So as a reminder, this is our weekly Bible study schedule. On Monday night, we have Zoom group discussion. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And so if you want to gain access to the Zoom link and join us and where we can actually talk back and forth and share a testimony and stories, uh, then please register so that you can get the Zoom link. Amen. What an amazing word. All glory to Jesus. Amen. Um, Tuesdays, I email uh, everyone who's on the email list. I email a PDF download and I also load it up, up into the workshop, which is our online learning portal. And so if you didn't already check your email or if you my email is hiding out in your spam box, go find it. Mark me as a safe sender um, and make sure that you are saving these downloads and sharing them with others or just reviewing the Bible study again on your own personal time. Then on Wednesday, again, assuming we have Bible study on Monday, we, we're here on Wednesday for the lunchtime live recap, uh, both on Facebook and Instagram live. And then I also take, uh, by Thursday, I try to have, I take the Facebook live video and I load it up into the workshop. I also load it up into YouTube. I also load the audio to Apple Podcasts. Um, and so if you missed a week or you want to rewatch it or just listen again because you missed the beginning or whatever the case may be, um, it's loaded on many different places so that way um, you can watch it again or share it with somebody else. Um, and so lots of options. If you're not officially registered, I know someone at the beginning said they had trouble registering. You can register at soulofworship.com forward slash online Bible study. Just got to put your first name um, and an email and I will, you'll be on the list. You'll get the Zoom link. You'll get the emails on Tuesdays and reminders um, and then just, you know, and Every now and then I also send a bonus email in the, in throughout the week with additional, you know, encouragement or things that are going on, events and things like that. 
then for those who are curious about what the, the workshop looks like, online learning portal, I have it up on Facebook here. This is what our portal looks like. Again, you'll see once you know we have the recap video, you'll see that the recap video will be loaded into um, the workshop. You'll also have all your downloads here, not only the presentation, but also the journaling pages, extra note pages. So it's all available in one spot. You can also comment in there as well. You can ask a question and I, I, um, I get notified and so I can come back and look. And so not only is this loaded for the Psalms, but there's also PDF downloads available for all of the previous Bible studies we've done since 2020. So there's a lot in there, a lot of resources. So I encourage you to go to soloworship.com forward slash um, workshop to create a login. And if you have a login, log in <laughs> take advantage of all the stuff that's in there leave some comments um and uh i just pray that it's a tremendous resource for you especially if you you lead other groups of bible studies or want to use it you are free to use this material um any way that you would like to continue to spread the gospel um, of jesus christ amen all right if you don't already connect with the soul of worship ministry i encourage you to you know, hit that button to, to, to follow on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, you can also subscribe to the Apple podcast. I mentioned creating the login to our online learning portal. The YouTube channel is at soul of worship ministry. And if you would like to support the ministry, you can sew into soul of worship by going to soul of forward slash partner, or you can support the ministry shop soul of forward slash shop. You can get this t-shirt that says make a sound. And then it has the uh, verse Luke 1940 on it, which Jesus said, Hey, if they don't worship me, then the rocks are going to cry out. So, let us make the sound. Amen. Uh, for those who are local to Pennsylvania, um, uh, we are going to have the first waffles and worship event on March 11th at 10 a.m. We're going to have a top your own waffle buffet and then we're going to have an in-person uh, Bible study teaching for teens and adults and then a separate uh, class for uh, praise kids class raising up worship warriors. We're going to be teaching from my book worship. Are you making a sound? Um, and so we have limited space. So if you want to grab yourself a seat and some yummy waffles and some good word, then uh, I encourage you to go to soulofworship.com forward slash events to uh, get your ticket some tickets it ranges from five to twenty dollars depending on what you're looking for and so it's it's a fundraiser for our summer events and so we thank you for supporting that um and if you can't go but you want to sponsor somebody we can also do that so just follow up with me if you would like to do that um as I said before, by the grace of God, I did write a book, Worship, Are You Making a Sound? Uh, this is a deep dive into 12 different aspects of worship. It's a Bible study book. There's questions and prompts and, and scriptures for you uh, to dive deep into so that you can see that worship is a powerful, powerful spiritual tool that not many believers know how to grab onto and and unleash that power in their lives and so i encourage you uh, to grab the book you can find it on my website at soulofworship.com forward slash book or on amazon or wherever books are sold uh, particularly online barnes and noble you could look it up um, and it'll pop up but I also have uh, video lessons that go along with each uh, chapter. And so if you want to take advantage of also having a video for every single chapter to be able to watch and see how your answers aligned with what I think the answers uh, could have been from my perspective, then I would encourage you to grab our online version of the course, which is you can find it at soulofworship.com forward slash 
course. All right, those are all my announcements and other resources through the Soul of Worship ministry that I encourage you to take advantage of. And so now we will turn to our prayer requests. Amen. So let's see, Cloud uh, Yvette, uh, she says, prayers for my son who was in Albuquerque as a college freshman. Yes, fa Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come in agreement with my sister's son who's in Albuquerque. He's a college freshman. Lord, we pray that you would bless him, that you would protect him, that you would guide him, my God. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen him in his walk. Lord, we pray that you would give him courage and boldness to stand for truth. We pray, Father God, that you would keep him focused on his studies, that you would use him for your glory and for your honor, that he would unite with um, fellow believers and that he would make good decisions, Father God, Lord, that you would protect him in every scenario. And Lord, allow him to be a light, Lord. Have your light shine through him in a powerful way, Father God, and that you would use him for your glory and for your honor, Lord. Lord, again, we pray for protection. We pray for favor. We pray for your love. We pray for your comfort. We pray for your discernment to be um, active in his life. We pray that this would be a time where he draws closer to you instead of further away um, and that you would be with him and show your power, show your glory, God, in his life. Lord, we give you glory. We thank you in advance for the blessings of being able to, to further his education and we pray that it is a blessing to his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Yes, Sister Gidget over here on Facebook. Prayer has been requested for a woman named Eva that is fighting cancer. She'll be receiving treatment, which is to help prevent her possibly having half of her leg amputated. Also praying for everyone struggling with cancer, diabetes, or other illnesses for total healing in Jesus' name. Yes, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we come in agreement with Sister Gidget's request. Lord, on behalf of Eva, who is fighting cancer, Lord, we pray for this treatment. Lord, we pray that you would eradicate every single cancer cell from her body, God. Allow her to see your mighty healing hands, Lord, manifest in her life, God. Jehovah Rapha, come and bring healing to Ava's body so that she would not have her leg amputated, Father God. We pray for you to show up miraculously in her life, God. Lord, that the that the doctors would be amazed at a sudden change, at a sudden, Lord, that you would come suddenly into her life and completely cleanse her and, and heal her, Father God. We pray that you would show your glory, God, and that you will be glorified because of the miracle in her life. Lord, we also pray for all those who may be struggling with cancer, diabetes, or other illnesses. We pray for you, Lord, again, to be our healer, Lord. We know that healing is our portion, God. We pray for your mercy, Lord. We pray for your grace. We pray for strength to overcome these illnesses and um, these trials and tribulations that we may go through, but believing ultimately that you will do the miracle work of healing their bodies, God. Lord, your word says that through your stripes we have been made well. Lord, we know that the effective prayers of the righteous man avails much and we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And so we thank you and we know that you will bring healing into their lives, Lord. Lord, I believe and also pray for, for my daughter's friend, Eliza, Lord, for her, her final testing scan that's today, Lord. And I believe that the results are going to be, Father God, a, a glorious results that there will be absolutely not one cancer cell in her body and that she will be able to declare herself fully, Lord, cancer-free and celebrate the fact, Lord, that as an eight-year-old, she has overcome cancer because of your great power and your great um, your great name, God. And we're believing for Eliza, we're believing for Ava, and we're believing for all who trust in you 
to deliver them from illness and sickness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. I think I got everybody's prayer covered. I bless everyone who's still on. I bless in the name of Jesus. We bless Rhonda and Gidget and Maria Resendez. We, we bless Roz. Lord, we bless, bless Sarah who's on and anyone else who made, who, who joined before Angie as well. Irene, um, Laura, uh, let's see who else. I think I got everybody, but we, we bless you all in the name of Jesus and all those who were on Instagram as well. Um, I pray you have a wonderful rest of the day. And if you need anything, uh, please feel free to reach out. Um, and we're here to help. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Have a great rest of the day. We'll see you soon. Bye guys. As a reminder, this Bible study is available as a PDF download on my online learning portal called The Workshop. To download this study with all of the notes and scripture references, please go to www.soulofworship.com forward slash workshop and join our community. The link is also in the show notes. Are you walking through a season of barrenness? Do you need to stir up spiritual growth in your life? In worship, are you making a sound? Author Sarah Marie Popolo shares praise and worship that will transform your walk with the Lord. You'll gain new insight into the powerful tool God has given you in worship. Walk through this 12-week Bible study and learn how to use your voice to declare God's promises over your life and watch your desert flourish into a garden of praise and triumph. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv. All right, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget to follow the Soul of Worship Ministry on Instagram and Facebook and join the email newsletter so you never miss out on new Bible study resources and live Bible study and worship events. Find it all on www.soulofworship.com. Until next time, keep on praising.